This is P.L. Myers, a shot to the top, pro wrestling's manager extraordinaire. This is Steve Michaels, the master of the Chicago Bear Hug. This is Tim Storm, former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. You're listening to What Do You Say with DDJ. If you love professional wrestling, this is where you need to get your information. Don't miss this. Welcome, everyone, to episode 12 of What Do You Say with DDJ. As always, I am your host, DDJ. And once again, just to let you know, What Do You Say with DDJ is now a part of the Pro Wrestling Junkies pod squad. Uh, So, yeah, so please uh, feel free, if you've never heard of Pro Wrestling Junkies, check them out. We're a wrestling group on Facebook. We do a lot of uh, fun, interactive uh, things with our members. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of the podcast network over there. And, uh, yeah, just get check out, uh, you know, send a request to join, answer a couple questions, and we'll get you in there. Uh, my guest this week is the newest member of the Chicago Connection. Uh, he is known as Mr. 3%, Jonathan Hudson. And just a couple things to look forward to. Uh, you'll hear the story of how Jonathan Hudson was given the Mr. 3% moniker. And also, uh, he actually has a really interesting backstory that I think a lot of you are going to enjoy. So, uh, sit back, relax, grab a beer, grab some food, uh, and enjoy episode 12 of uh, What Do You Say with DDJ and my guest this week, Mr. Jonathan Hudson. All right, welcome to another episode of What Do You Say with DDJ, and with me today is the newest member of the Chicago Connection, Mr. 3%, Jonathan Hudson. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I am doing great, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, tell my audience a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you came from, okay. you know, give a little background story. No problem. Um, my name is Jonathan Hudson. That's my actual name. Uh, I am originally from Malibu, California. Uh, where do I start? Okay. I grew up very, very, um, I hate using this word because I'll, I'll admit to it. I do not believe in it. And I'll get to that point later, but I'll, I grew up very privileged. My, uh, my mother was a ballet dancer for the Royal Ballet. She's British. So my father, um, my father was in a band way back in the day called the Hudson Brothers. They had uh, two primetime television shows uh, back in the 70s, uh, Razzle Dazzle and the Hudson Brothers Comedy Hour. And they, their big start was they actually took over the Sonny and Cher show for five weeks over a summer. And that's how wow. they got their, yeah, that's how they got their big start up. And Cher is actually, funny to admit, Cher is still actually a really good family friend. She, um, I'll get into it, but my dad once was diagnosed with cancer. He would not be alive today if it wasn't for Cher. So Cher, if you're ever listening, 
I love you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I grew up very privileged. Um, you know, I, I grew up in, uh, in Brentwood, which is uh, right near like UCLA and Hollywood, that area. Uh, we ended up moving to Malibu when I was seven <laughs> because our four houses down neighbor was OJ Simpson. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had like a huge Ivy front end in front of our house. And I, I remember seeing guys like looking through the Ivy and stuff, but I didn't know what I was only like four years old or something. As I got older, my parents told me it was the FBI looking for the murder weapon because when he drove the Bronco, oh, yeah. he drove, he, yeah, yeah, he drove right past our house and they think he might have thrown the murder weapon out there. And that's when my parents were like, hey, I think we should move. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up moving into Malibu and I stayed there my entire life. Uh, well, not, not entire life, so I was about 18 years old. But one night, I was nine years old. It was right before I was supposed to go to bed and I'm skimming through and I come across professional wrestling. I came across a gentleman by the name of Goldberg. Okay. He was he was wrestling a guy named Hugh Morris. Ah, it must have been his debut. I had no idea. I just saw a guy, just some big dude who had no expression and just went nuts and just crazy. But like at nine years old, I never really looked at the wrestlers. I looked at the crowd. I, I just that reaction to beating someone up. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know the gimmicks of wrestling yet. I just, I was intrigued with it. I just, I, that, like, that was it. I went straight to my dad, who was actually uh, writing a script at a time. And uh, I told him, I was like, Daddy, I want to be a professional Westwa. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. He looked right at me. And instead of being like the normal dad, who's like, oh, good job, son. Good for you. He asked me if I finished my homework. <laughs> so that's how that all started. But then, you know, from nine, it's all I ever wanted is just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Everything I ever did was for wrestling at the age of nine. The second I was able to go to the gym at 12, I, I, I've been in the gym since I was 12 years old. I'm 33 now, 21 years, just going hard. Um, in the state of California, you cannot train for a sport outside of school if you're not 18 years old. So I had to wait till I was 18. Um, I tried going to college that lasted about an hour and a half yeah. um, started training. I started training with uh, two unbelievable guys. Uh, they go by the Ballard brothers, uh, Shane and Shannon Ballard. They uh, they're Canadian. They had like a hockey gimmick. Um, they, they were unbelievable. They were great. Uh, they taught me how to give, how to take all that good stuff. I trained with them for about four years. And then from there, I shipped out to North Carolina to train at High Spots with a old, old, old school guy by, na by the name of George South. Yes, I've heard of him. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, dude, I went there and we were doing like do -si dos and like this really old school stuff. So I trained out there for a bit, uh, did a few shows out there for like, um, I did one show for NWA Charlotte, which was just like an, oh my God. Cause the, it was, it was like my first ever, like, oh my God show. And then I did a few other little crap shows there, ran out of money. So then I went back home, made some money. And then I shipped out to Tampa, Florida. And I tried getting into FCW when FCW was WWE affiliated and everything. 
Um, I got to the school there, but obviously, you know, the dream didn't come true then. But my upstairs neighbor, by the, uh, I won't say his last name for privacy reasons, but his name's Adam. Mm-hmm. He came, knocked on my door one day, and he's like, hey, I'm going to Orlando for a TNA taping. My wrestling coach is going to be there from Wisconsin. Do you want to come up? No problem. We actually were late to the show. We completely missed the show. But as we're walking into uh, Universal Studios where they were filming it, a couple old guys are walking up and Adam goes, oh, hey, this is my wrestling coach, Angel Armani. Armani, this is, H- this is Jonathan Hudson. And before, when I put my hand out to shake his hand before I even said, like, hey, nice to meet you, he called a spot, like, tie up, take my head. And we did it. And we just, you know, shot the crap for about like two, three hours. And he just looked at me and was like, this was 2011 or 12. Okay. He, just, he just looked at me and said, hey, man, if you want to learn how to work, you got to get to Milwaukee. I'll train you. You got you to get to Milwaukee. You know, we kept in touch from time to time. I ended up going back to California. Um, I tried, I started training again with the Ballard brothers um, around this time actually is when like the uh the sufferings of trying to make it in wrestling really hit me Mm -hmm. um i was living in my car for about eight months um i i did everything and anything i i mean like and you know i'm not gonna lie to you i gotta be honest with you i did everything i could to survive i i stole food i would steal things to return to another shop to get a gift card so i can hopefully sell that gift card to get gas money like it was it's horrible 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 i feel horrible what i did but i had to do whatever i could do to survive mm-hmm. um and this is all coming from what i just said in the beginning i grew up very privileged but i tried to make it on my own so when people say that word white privilege I do not believe in it because if I was privileged, I would not be still trying to make it 14 years later and neither, neither would anybody else. Sorry to people who are listening. I'm not trying to get political, but no one's privileged. You work for your own privilege. Uh, so I was homeless, dying for everything. But during that time of being homeless, Angel Armani texted me every day for a year. I'm not joking. Every day, just saying, get out here, get out here, get out here. One day I was like, dude, one, I barely know who you are. Two, you sound a little creepy. And three, I don't have any money. And right when I said I don't have any money, he said, I don't care. If you can get out here, you can live with me for free. I'll train you for free. I, I, I bet on that real quick. I, I scrounged up every little thing I could. I drove out to Milwaukee and my life completely changed when it came to professional wrestling. Um, within three months of being with him, I, I got the call from WWE to do all that extra talent crap, which I've done a handful of times, which now, now I think about it. It's, it's really just a great payday to eat catering or wear a security shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, But from there, Armani, he just, he blew my name up and got me out there so much. And I just started traveling everywhere from pretty much all over the Midwest, doing some shows in Florida. Um, And yeah, everything was going great, like absolutely great. And then COVID hit. 
yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but you know, just the, the trials and tribulations of trying to be a professional wrestler is uh, it's a work in itself. It really is. And, you know, we all, all of us, uh, and I'm not trying to single myself out at all. Every one of us, male, female, everyone who, who's in the business, especially where we're at, we all put on a face that everything's going good and everything's happy, but we're all struggling. We're all work, not struggling like financially. I mean, struggling, working our asses off, trying to get to that next level. So you know, we'll just see what happens. But yeah, so that's how it all started. I from nine years old, all the way up. And then, uh, you know, a lot of other things happened in between there. But that's for another another conversation. Gotcha. Yeah. That, and, and, and I really, you know, you and made me think about, you know, why I do this podcast is how you talk about just like struggling to kind of get your name out there. And that kind of yeah. thing. And that's kind of the main reason why I, d I started this podcast is because I wanted to give those you know, people a chance that may not necessarily have an, an outlet to kind of get themselves out there, or get themselves over, get them, you know, I want, I want them to have a voice, you know, voice because I've been a wrestling fan for about 30 years uh, oh, yeah, man. Uh, and stuff. So, and like I said, as I've gotten to, you know, understand what professional wrestling is and, mm -hmm. and kind of getting an idea of how it works and stuff. I don't know everything. I don't want to know everything because I still want to have a little bit of that mystique and that kind of thing. And yeah. So, but like, you know, like say getting to know people like Paul Myers, John Bullard and stuff like it's just it, you know, and it seemed like what you guys go out and do, uh, like what you did at the uh, October 3rd show, which we'll talk about in a little bit and stuff, you know, just like the, the, the effort that you guys put in, you know, and it's just I feel like you guys deserve more than anybody to have a voice, to have an outlet. And that's why I'm doing this podcast is because that's like us doing true. this right now, I'm giving you a chance to kind of tell your story and to get yourself out there. So. That, dude, I, I commend you for that. That's awesome. The, just the fact that that's why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome, man. That, that's uh, that, that, like, that's everything that we as, as entertainers, love is it's like thank you thank you for that and how you mentioned the october 3rd show like yeah you were there yeah. it, it honestly seemed like every wrestler male female was just foaming at the mouth yeah. to entertain oh yeah and it just you know yeah you know um I don't, I, I, I'm not a, a big Facebooker. I'm really trying hard to get my social medias going and stuff. But, you know, I saw a lot of comments talking crap on Chicagoland wrestling and a lot of comments talking crap on the Chicago connection. And if you just wouldn't mind me saying real quick, sure. you were at that show, right? Yes, sir. The crowd was hot from bell to bell, right? Absolutely. Obviously, we couldn't pack it in because of everything going on. But with mm -hmm. all the regulations and stipulations and everything that John Ballard had to go through, we had a full house, right? Absolutely. I, it, it, I felt like that show could have, you know, drawn so many more people, you know, had COVID not happened and stuff. But, man, this is – 
it had it felt like there you know i know i think it was what like a couple hundred people or something like that but man it felt like there was so many so much more in there there was i i think there was 150 but that was the legit maximum capacity we could do there was no more if we did any more we probably would have been shut down due to covid regulations um but that was it was an amazing show it was a great show everyone was on their game everyone had energy they were going even even and you could even see the workers in the ring feeding off the energy of the crowd mm -hmm. so for all those people talking crap on ccw don't be jealous don't be a keyboard warrior and if you got anything to say i'm not that hard to find Thank no, you. <laughs> yeah, no, that I, I love that because I, I I couldn't agree more with what you said. I mean, again, I'm a huge supporter. You know, you got John's such a stand-up guy. You mentioned that earlier and stuff. Like one of the things that I took away most from the show, and I even told this to John when I was talking to him afterwards. I said, every single wrestler that I that I've had on my podcast that he had on his show, um, uh, you know, Jackson P. Larkin, uh. Yeah, and so like he's the one first one that pops up to mind. I had uh uh you know Matt Creed on just recently and I had a few others and stuff and obviously you know I had I Paul. love that guy. Yeah. yeah Matt, sure. Matt, Matt Creed was awesome and, and I'm you know, and I'm getting I'm planning on getting uh Tom on and uh hopefully in a couple of weeks when some commitments clear up and stuff. Tom Tom's a cool dude. He I is. like Tom a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love everybody there because one of the things like I, I every time I wanna I was talking to Jackson P. Lark and he came to me, he's like, you know, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really like yeah. and all the guys like I know uh Steve Michaels who wrestles down in OVW was at the mm -hmm. show, you know, and stuff yeah. like, helping out mm -hmm. and stuff. And I talked with him, you know, and it's just like just the, the just the fact that these guys are coming up to me thanking me for having them on my show, you know, when I'm just doing this for them, you guys, you know, that meant a lot to me. And then just to kind of be like, you know, everybody coming to me, hey, what'd you think of the show? What'd you think of my match? You know, Tully Bertarelli was another one who came up to me a lot, and I spent a lot of time talking to and stuff. And it's just uh, for, the, for you guys to ask me my opinion on the show and my opinion on your match, I take that as, as a huge honor because I mean, again, I'm just a fan. I'm not a worker. I don't. I don't portray myself as one. I, I, you know, and stuff. I'm just, just it. And John and everybody, like, you know, it's just. John really went out of his way to make me feel like I was part of the team. And like, I, and I told him that, and I said, that meant so much to me. And I just, that then and there, I told him, it's like, you know what, whatever I can do to help you guys out, name it, you know, and stuff. Yeah, and John's that type of guy. He it literally, it, it looked as if he did that with everybody there. Yep, like he really did. just had them like, just really make them feel like part of the family. And, yeah. and just to reiterate on what you said, your opinion does matter. It matters a a buttload to us uh, it, i i hope you know what i'm trying to say oh i absolutely of get course it. your opinion matters because if you like what you're seeing everyone else is gonna like what they're seeing so thank you i like i can't thank you enough for that man well and also too if i like what i see i'm gonna want more meaning i'm gonna buy you know another ticket like i said which i did from john's wife at the show you know, yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to buy, you know, the shirts. I'm going to support you guys. I'm going to have more of the, you know, the CCW guys on my show, you know. I like oh, yeah. what I see and stuff, you know, and, and that that's 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 key. So Yeah, most definitely. Okay, so you had mentioned about some of the places that you went and trained, you know, with the Ballard Brothers and George stuff. Um, 
take me a little bit about like what like you know like what did the ballard brothers teach you like what was it like the best piece of advice you got from them best piece of advice i got from the ballard brothers protect your opponent Mm -hmm. because that man's trying to put food on the table for his family too um you know how i mentioned how they really taught me how to give and take um that was huge really huge i knew how to do all these moves safely and everything but i'm not trying to talk crap on the ballards i love them to death shane shannon if you're watching i hope you guys are doing great i miss you i love you but they never taught me how to work okay and there's a big difference between oh i could you know i could do 450s and shooting stall this crap Mm -hmm. but if you don't know how to you don't know how to work you're not going anywhere um you can literally have a match with just headlocks and finish with a roll up. And if you tell a story, you're going to have that crowd engaged. Um, but so with the Ballard brothers, um, they, they just really taught me how to do moves and give and take. Um, and like, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk crap on them, but when I was training with them, it was a, a UPW, a place called ultimate pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, I've, heard of that. I've heard of that group. If I'm not mistaken, that's where Cena got to start, correct? Yep. Uh, that's actually, I'll be honest with you, man. That's the only reason why I went there. I literally turned 18. Daddy, daddy, I'm not joking. I wasn't joking at nine. I want to be a professional wrestler. I went online and I saw, you know, that John Cena trained there, Samoa Joe trained there, The Miz, Chris Masters. Uh, Mike Knox, like the whole list just goes on. I believe Frankie Kazarian oh. was there too, correct? Yeah, oh yeah, th- yes, thank you. And so Christopher Daniels yes, as well. Yes. And, yes. Um, and Tom Howard, Tom Howard was a trainer there. Um, I was a mark. I just saw that and I was like, oh, this is the place to go. <laughs> um, little did I know the promoter who I have no problem bashing this guy, Rick Bassman, the biggest piece of crap in the world. Um, and I can say that because John Cena told me that to my face. He's like, oh, you're a UPW guy too? When I was backstage once, I said, yeah. He's like, so you know Bassman? I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's a piece of SHIT, isn't he? I'm like, oh, yes, he is. So we, no one likes him. He's the biggest piece of crap ever. He just wanted big, muscular dudes all jacked up on steroids that he would go get like a Gold's Gym Venice to try and get to wrestle. But so for, for the Ballard brothers, they, they were told – pretty much to only really work hard with certain guys. At the time, I was 18, 19 years old, maybe 170 pounds soaking wet. I wasn't really anything. But I kept going to training three days a week, kept getting better, 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 better. And then after four years and not being given – well, no, I was given three matches. You could actually get them on YouTube. If anyone wants to watch them, John Hudson versus Drew Molzon. Drew Molzon, do you remember when NXT was like a game show? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, I think he did season four. He was Jacob Novak. He, uh, yes, he was, I remember that name. Yeah, he like got the, the corn rolls with JTG and stuff like that. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I, re- I think I do remember yeah, that. I, I trained with him pw and we ended up becoming really good friends so my first three matches are actually against him that you can or actually no oh my god i'm see i've been hitting the head so many times i'm losing <laughs> my first two my two uh, second and third were with him 
And my first one was with a guy who I have so much respect for. His name's uh, the Mirror Image, Ricky Mandel. He actually wrestles for Lucha Underground now. I don't yes, know. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I, I he remember. wears a mat. He wears a mat. Or I don't. I don't. To be honest with you, man, I don't even know if Lucha Underground's going anymore. But it's he wore. Yeah, but I know Ricky yeah. Mandel from Lucha Underground. Yeah, he he wore a mask and was with like Matt Cross and all those guys. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, my first match was with him, and this was all done at the Anaheim Marketplace right down the street from Disneyland. And I'm sorry for everyone who wants to watch. If you do not speak Spanish, you have no idea what they're saying because the commentator is <laughs> all in Spanish. Everything is Espanol, but they're okay matches. Um, but, yeah, so they got me a few matches there at the Anaheim Marketplace. But then I just started realizing, like, you know, I'm not really going anywhere. They're not giving me anything. I have to go somewhere else, which is why I shipped out to high spots in North Carolina. Because, uh, you know, Ric Flair, the Hardy Boys, like, you know, there's a lot of uh, wrestling heritage there. So yep. I shipped out there. Awesome. So, okay, so we're go going to North Carolina now. Uh, what were some of the things that you learned from George South? Nothing. Not gonna lie to you, nothing. He's he he's so. I mean, but oh, well, uh, that kind of sounded really rude. Let me rephrase that. Um, he's so old school. He was so old school, and that you know, old school is a great thing to learn because I don't care what anyone says. It's it's very similar to the fitness industry. There's some new bull crap coming out every day, but the basics always work. Uh, but it was so old school. Like I said, we were doing do -si dos We were doing like drop downs and then you drop down over, then you drop down, like just not even monkey rolls, just you drop, drop down until you hop out of the ring. Really just things you do not and will never see today. But the great thing about high spots was that uh, even though I paid for a class with George South, I can go there from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., even if no one's there, just to get in the ring and train, which was really cool. And um, the cool part about it was is that they actually had their training ring in the middle of their factory. So you would be training around all these, like, action figures and replica belts. And there. And also yeah. they had a um, – they had a uh, – uh, like, a, a, um, like a video section that you, they would actually let you rent footage so you can watch – I hope they're not watching because I stole one of them. It's my favorite wrestling DVD. It's a DVD that I don't think anyone has ever. It's, the, it's Chris Jericho, the first five matches in Mexico and the first five matches in Japan. Oh, Which, wow. I would love yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, it is, it is so it, – it, I have it, like, framed. Like, I, like that thing isn't going to see the light of day anymore. But, like, yeah, so that, that was the really cool thing about high spots was that it was actually a ring I can go to any point in time by myself with a partner. It doesn't matter. Uh, that was the cool, cool thing about high spots. But with George South, uh, um, I'm not trying to talk crap on him. I know his accomplishments – uh, I, I am grateful and thankful for what he's done for the business, but I personally didn't learn a thing. Well, there goes my, I already know the answer to my next question is going to be, can I borrow that DVD sometime? And obviously it's in a frame. And Honestly, dude, we'll work something out. If, if right. we, 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 we'll, we'll yeah. figure, trust me, man, it, you will be glued. Just, just, just like, obviously Jericho can't work, you know, the way he used to when he was right. like in his twenties, but just to watch him, it, it's it's unbelievable it's 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 seriously 
a, a gem of wrestling, definitely. But we'll work something out for sure. Definitely. Well, kind of on a little, little bit of a – because I always seem to somehow get into a discussion with Chris Jericho with just about every guest I have on here. So uh, you've mentioned how he can't work now like he used to, but the, the, the thing is, is I don't think he needs to work the way he used to, you know. <laughs> kind of like to what I said not too long ago. If you know how to work, you can literally do a 15-minute match of headlocks and finish it with a roll-up. And if you can tell a story, you're over. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I think Chris Jericho, as of right now, is the best. If not the best, he, he, he's number one right now. Every time he's on the screen, it's entertainment. And uh, did you see AEW last night? I did actually. I did. Okay. I was gonna eventually. I was gonna kind of go into that. What were your thoughts on the? Uh, what was it? Late like dinner, devil air. I believe is what they. So, call okay, it. like I'll be honest with you, man. Like now, now that I'm a family man and have kids, it's really hard to try to get the, the alone time to watch that stuff. But <laughs> since I'm up at like four thirty-five in the morning, I I kind of get it, like you know, on Instagram or Facebook or something. I watched that, and at first, I just saw a singing clip, and I was like, what the hell are they doing? But then I saw the whole clip. Yeah. That was entertaining as hell, man. I thought it was great how they just had the basically non-cooked steaks. I, th I, thought it was I thought it was really funny, actually, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, every time Jericho gets on the screen, you're bound to get gold. And you just think about, and we'll kind of, you know, a, a couple more things than Chris Jericho, and we'll kind of get, you know, I mean, again, Chris Jericho's awesome. He's one of my all-time favorites. But he, that guy is so good at getting stuff over. I mean, he got, you know, a little bit of the bubbly over. You know, he got um, the list over. He even got the word it over. I mean, it's just amazing what this guy continues to do. He, he's like, like Jericho. I mean, now that we're talking about Jericho a little bit, he was actually the first guy that I noticed. Um, like when I cut promos, especially I love cutting promos as a heel. Mm. Um, Cause like in real life, I'm the most angry per person you'll ever meet. I'm very calm, very chill, very everything. But, but I don't uh, stoop. I don't like stupidity, and I'm not going to lie to you. In the Midwest, you can get that a little bit. No. Uh, I, I don't like. I, <laughs> I don't like laziness. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I I don't like excuses. Um, I, I'm not that type of guy. But what like with Jericho? It's he 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 was the first guy that I saw talk on the mic that spoke like this mm. he was very very mm. and he got it was, it was in wwe when i noticed it he got everyone to shut up without saying shut up mm. because everyone wanted to listen to what he was going to say because you knew whatever was coming out of his mouth was gold he was like the first guy that instead of going like, now you listen to me, like, you know, he was just very like, now you listen to me. He was very calm, which I loved. And that really intrigued me with his promos. And then it, now, 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 honestly, it just looks like he's having fun. Yeah. It just looks like he's like, yeah, you know what? Here, here, um, my daughter's uh, school scissors. He can just be like, you know what? I'm going to get this over and he'll have it over in five minutes. Like, and then he'll be on his t-shirt the next day. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the guy, the guy's just a genius. Uh, and he, yeah, he's, he, he should keep going until he can't go anymore. Everything he does is just money. Right. Okay. So where did you, okay. So obviously, you know, you mentioned about what you learned from the Ballard brothers and George South. When did you finally learn how to work? So to speak. Angel Armani. Okay. Um, when I first got to Wisconsin and started training with uh, Angel Armani or what he used to go by as Colonel Blatnick, uh, a lot of guys just still call him the Colonel. Um, he, today, even to this day, he is my mentor. He's my coach. He's my brother. He's my best friend. I love that guy. He, 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 he taught me the basics of working just that no one else ever did. And I hope I'm not trying to give away any little trade secrets of working here, but he taught me, you know, feet to the middle of the ring, always be in the middle, uh, rope to rope, corner to corner. Um, you know, always keep your head up with everything. Make sure the crowd can see this. He taught me how to pace a match. He taught me when to do things. You don't, you know, if you know how to do a 450 splash, but it's not your finisher, don't do it. You don't need to pull it out of your back pocket when they least expect it. Um, he, he, Angel was the one that really shaped me and shifted me. And he's actually the one that gave me the Mr. 3% name. Um, I mean, if you want to hear that story, it's, it, it makes me look Please. like an like a butthole but <laughs> no please go right ahead okay so i was with uh it was me angel armani um another guy who i love working and have great respect for uh chris morgan uh another guy who i have great respect for and work with is chris black uh, and we were with another really good friend of mine who I love dearly. He goes by uh, Xavier Mustafa okay. uh, up in uh, Wisconsin. And we were all at our bar. There was a really good looking blonde girl. And uh, she was sitting at the bar. And I I'm not going to lie. I was hammered. I was, I was, I was gone. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I guarantee I can get her number. And they were like, no, you can't, Hudson. I'm like, watch me. And I walked over there. I got her phone. Oh God. Oh, I hope my wife doesn't hear me. <laughs> I, yeah. I got her phone number. And when I came back to the table, I threw the number down. I'm like, there you go. They're like, how'd you get it? And I was like, I just told her I had 3% body fat. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like a total arrogant piece of crap. I was living with Armani at the time. So when, and walked out and he was sitting on the couch and the first thing he said to me he went i have your gimmick you're mr three percent you're better looking you're sexy you're better than everyone you have no fat on you you're mr three percent and i flat out said that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard <laughs> and i <laughs> I did not want to go by it for the next couple shows. I just went by John Hudson or, you know, just normal John Hudson. And then when I finally, when he started running his shows, cause he's, um, he runs a promotion called MIAW uh, up in Milwaukee. Uh, but he's, he's old school with it. He kind of runs like the Vern Gagne type thing. He only runs like in the winter time. Um, and so when he had his first show, he flat out said, he's like, I don't care what you say. You're going out as Mr. 3%. You're, 
you're Mr. 3%. You want to get paid tonight, you're Mr. 3%. <laughs> and I went out there. <laughs> yeah, I went out there as Mr. 3%. It caught on a little bit. It really did. But then when I eventually got like into the Indiana area, I was wrestling for a promotion called uh, uh, Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling. Um, and I actually wrestled, if anyone's listening, you're probably going to have a chuckle with this one, but I wrestled a man by the name of Adam Bueller. And uh, out of nowhere, in the beginning of the match, he just goes, if, if I hear anybody chant 3%, you know, I'm going to whatever, whatever. So if anyone knows the history of me and Adam Bueller, and once again, Adam, God rest your soul, bro, rest in peace. Um, he's the one that got the 3% chant going. And ever since then, just the first couple times I used it in Wisconsin, and then that first time I used it in Indiana, it just took off. It just it went crazy, absolutely crazy. So, yeah, that's how I got the 3% thing. That's a I, try, I, I told some girl I had 3% body fat for her phone number. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of the best stories. I've, and I'm not just saying it's because I'm trying to blow smoke up your ass or because you're on here, but that is genuinely one of the best stories I've heard on this. I've been doing this podcast. Dude, it's just, it's just, swear, it's just swear to God truth that I've only told like, like six people that. Because <laughs> in all honesty, it makes me look just like an arrogant piece of crap. But you know what? It's the truth. That's what I said. That's what I did. And that's how I got it. Well, I love it. So, um, so kind of going back a little bit, you know, you said uh, Goldberg was actually kind of who got kind of what got you hooked on wrestling. Who are some of your other early fa favorites when you first started watching? Um, before I get into that, if you want a story about me and Goldberg, I'll tell you that. But uh, another. Um, oh, OK, I mean, obviously, obviously, obviously Stone Cold. Mm. Stone Cold, uh, he, he, how can you not love that guy? Um, I love, and then I, and then I started to love The Rock in the corporation. Oh, because, yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. He had good, great matches and everything, but I wanted to hear him talk on the microphone, mm -hmm. especially in the corporation. It was amazing. Um, a couple other guys, uh, obviously Shawn Michaels. Um, those are like the, you know, the top guys that, you know, I guess uh, everyone would know about, I guess. But then when I started to like venture out a little bit, I am a massive, massive, massive fan of Kota Ibushi. I love Kota. Uh, um, you know, he just won the G1, correct? For the second year in a row. Yep. yep. I mean, honestly, how can that guy? Well, you know what? I actually commend him because he did the whole uh, cruiserweight thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to stir up anything. I'm just, this is what I heard. So take it with a grain of salt. They offered him a contract that was like, like, like disrespectful. Like, really? You want to give me that? Like, no, I make more money over here. Mm -hmm. And uh, like that, that guy, he's, he's on, he's top level right now. I, I've loved him since 2000, I think seven is when I first saw him. And another guy who I, absolutely love obviously kenny omega i have been a fan of kenny omega since his debut match in ring of honor against delirious if anybody listening wants to see that match and just how to get over 
watch that match. No one knew who Kenny Omega was. He wrestled delirious. At the end of the match, they were chanting, please come back. Wow. Um, yeah, just, uh, uh, you know, unbelievable stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can get into like the old school guys too. I mean, I love the Freebirds. I love their, 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 their flash, their, you know, yep. all that crap. I love the Von Erics. Um, uh, you know, I can uh, Terry, all the funks, I, I, all of them, all of them. To be honest with you, man, there isn't one guy I can't say because all of those guys really paved the way for guys like me and, you know, the males and females that are trying to get up and doing what I'm doing. All ever, They all paved the way. So I, I got to show respect to everyone. Right, right. Okay, so let's hear this Goldberg story. <sighs> okay. I really hope he finds out this because uh, I will say it to his face and bitch slap him when I'm done. So, true story. I saved up money to go to Tampa, Florida for FCW, how I mentioned. Yep. My dad drove me out there from California to Florida, coast to coast. Wow. Uh, my dad met he he was introduced to a guy by the name of ray story ray story uh he's best known for the founder and inventor of the e-cigarette okay uh, but back in i believe it was 2000 or also 2001 right at the end of wcw's range mm-hmm. or rain he, he was the stage manager for wcw and when we were driving to Florida, he lives in Atlanta. We actually stopped off in Atlanta, stayed at his house. Um, beautiful home. I, it was awesome. But, uh, and he was telling me, you know, he asked me the same questions, you know, whatever, whatever. And Goldberg, 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 Goldberg. Um, he told me, he's like, yeah, I know Goldberg. He's a good friend of mine. You know, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, kind of, he actually told me, um, he told me how he got the who's next monarch. He was uh, with his uh, one of his brothers and he was like, you know, you need a sh- you need a shtick. You need something that, you know, the rock has this and this. You need something next. You need something, something. And the waitress just goes, all right, who's next? And there you go. That's how he got it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. We woke up the next morning, the next day. Ray Story hands me the phone. Who is it? He's like, just say hi. I pick it up. I'm like, hello. It's Goldberg on the other line. Oh, wow. Yeah, bro. I cried. Mm. Like, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, shoot, I cried. I, I wept. My childhood hero on the phone with me, That's telling me, oh my God, it was great. And I was just, I was just marking out totally, uh, very subtly though. And I was, you know, telling him, like, thank you so much for the opportunity just to speak with you. And he was giving me pointers. And then he asked me what I was doing. And I said I was going to FCW to try and get in there and try and go to the school, get seen, anything. And he said to me, and I quote, you know, Norman Smiley is a really good friend of mine. I love what I'm hearing out of you, kid. I'm going to give Norman a call for you. And he said this, and I quote, I haven't been in the wrestling business in a while. I kind of see this as me somewhat getting back into the business a little bit, you know, helping out a young guy like yourself with so much passion. You know, I, I would, I would, I'll do that. I'll give Norman a call for you. 
that's when I broke out and just wept thanking him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I get to FCW. What phone call? <gasps> oh, man. So Goldberg, if you're listening, screw you. And if I ever see you, I will bitch slap you because you're a brittle piece of crap. Sorry, I have to say that. I've been, I've been waiting since 2011 to get that off my chest. So anyone who says Goldberg's a great guy, no, he's not. He's a piece of crap. He told, I'm sorry, like I was, well, well, hold on, 10 years ago, I was 22, 23 years old. And he told a kid who's, who was his child, uh, he was my childhood hero. He told him that I will, to my, to my ear, I will call Norman for you and put, you, put a word in for you. Uh, the passion out of your voice, I just love. Where's my damn phone call? Don't, uh, I am not the type of guy to tell someone, especially someone who's weeping to me, looking at me like their hero. I'm not going to tell them I'm going to help them and then not do anything. I might as well rot in hell for that, which I hope he does. Anyways, so there's my Goldberg story. So, wow. that was yeah, thanks, Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I got your back, man. So appreciate that, bro. I'll probably <laughs> need it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so um you mentioned some of the companies work for. So now let's get into the whole thing uh with uh how'd you uh how'd you uh hook up with uh John? He called me. Um from well from what I from what I was kind of told. Uh, Michael Allen who I have the utmost, uh, I love that guy. Great guy. I, uh, he, he's, he, and another guy who will just hit me up from time to time just to see how my family's doing, which is great. Um, if, I'm, if I'm mistaken, hopefully I can be corrected down the line. So if I'm mistaken, I'm sorry. But uh, I think Michael, from what I know, Michael told John, like, you know, you need to pick up Hudson. You need to get Hudson. And from what John told me, he's always liked my stuff. He's always wanted to work with me. And uh, the promotions that I worked for in Indiana, I, 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 I hope they start running again, but I don't know. I don't know. And uh, he, gave, he gave me a call and said, well, I'd love to have you work for me. And uh, I, I didn't even hesitate. I, 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 yes, sir. Where do I go? And then the first, like, actually, the third was the like I met John before, but the third, the October third was the first time I actually got to like speak to him and converse, and just what a stand-up guy, what just what, 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 no, like seriously, a class act, just uh, just a respectful. He's he actually seems interested in what the worker has to say, yeah. which is which is just you know obviously that's every wrestler's dream is to at least have their input heard and it seems as if he's he's getting everyone's input and taking it all in and then you know using it like he, he's he's everything that he's done he uh, I, I will say you know what i'll say this about john he's a freaking trailblazer and i want to be behind a guy that's trailblazing me too yeah so then the rest obviously is history. Um, yeah, definitely. So one thing I want to um, go uh, kind of go into a little bit as well is, 
you know, he mentioned about, you know, you know, having a, we, we talked, I should say, we talked uh, before we started recording, you know, about, you know, family stuff like you're a father, I'm a father, things like that. And we talked, and, you know, you mentioned COVID and stuff. So how has COVID affected you both personally and professionally? Professionally crappy. <laughs> With wrestling crappy right. because it's like, you know, everyone's well not want to say everyone because there are promotions going but it seems like the majority of them are a little too scared um and you know what i'm I'm not trying to talk crap on that that's their prerogative you know you got to be respectful and you know careful with everything going on uh my opinion i i will never let a virus control my life um uh you know we don't even have a cure for the common cold and everyone gets it every year. We don't have a cure for the common flu and everyone gets it every year. But then again, it's a serious thing going on. So I respect the fact that everyone's trying to be safe. So, you know, I get that. Um, but, you know, and, and also like I, I just started, okay, I was always a personal trainer. And then when wrestling took off, I cut that off because usually personal training, you're pretty much like a therapist. They right. just want to talk. They just want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I started personal training again. So I got a, a couple clients, which is cool. Um, I'm sponsored with a supplement company, uh, Elite Performance, which is also pretty cool. So I got you know, um, uh, like you know, work wise, I'm doing good. Wrestling wise, I wish it was better right now. Um, but you know, I know things will turn around and everything. Everything will be great. Um, family wise. Okay. Family wise, it's actually not that bad. Um, my, okay. So I have a seven year old uh, daughter, uh, technically a stepdaughter, but I'm daddy. She's my daughter. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. No, uh, um, sperm donor is he's, he, he, ha nothing. He's, I don't, he didn't know. He hasn't even contacted her in years. I'm daddy. So she's my dog only three months old uh yes, I saw, she, i've seen the pictures on facebook she is a doll so congratulations thank you she she is the light of oh my god she's she's amazing um but so with you know two little girls luckily i have the one going to school which i'm very grateful for and my wife my wife works uh for the health department in michigan she actually works for the WIC program uh you know like the um like you know uh, uh you know like we're uh, Single aid type stuff. It's it's like yeah, like uh, aid for like you know single women or like uh, formula, and they get that kind of stuff. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, we have something like that in Illinois as well too. So yeah, yeah. Um, so like she she works for them, and luckily with everything going on, uh, she's actually working from home uh, till December first, which actually it's been pushed back twice already. She should have been back at work at the beginning of October. Then they pushed it to the weekend or the week of Thanksgiving. Now they pushed it to December 1st. I'm pretty sure it's going to keep on going until whenever. So she's home at work. So that's also a really big help with the baby and everything. Yeah. Um, it, it really sucks because like, uh, you know how I mentioned I'm from California. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I got, my sister, my brother-in-law, my nieces and my nephew that haven't met, met her yet. You know, we all have to do the Zoom stuff. Um, and, you know, like, I'm, I, 
well, you know what? Screw it. It's the truth. You know, my other family, like um, my cousin Katie, uh, Kate Hudson, um, my my her brother, my other cousin Oliver Hudson, my aunt Goldie, uh, my aunt Cindy, um, Cindy Williams. She's best known for uh, being Shirley on the Vernon Shirley. Yep. Um, you know, my cousin Jessica, uh, Jessica Keenan Wynn, who. Uh, She's a Broadway actress, and she actually just uh, st- her the major film so far she starred in was Mamma Mia Two. She was one of the uh, when like I guess one of the older women did like a flashback. She was one of the flashback women. Okay. Uh, uh, and my co- and my cousin Sarah, who uh, she's a songwriter. She's actually Katy Perry songwriter, um, best known for writing uh, that song Dark Horse. Um. So. With all of that, like entertainment family, once they found out I had a baby, they've been hitting me up off the hook, wanting to see her, wanting to meet her, wanting this, wanting that. And, you know, there's only so much you can do with a little screen. So, like, the, the crappy part is, is that she has so much family that she needs to meet, but who knows when, you know, like, it's just everything's up in the air right now it really is because i think about it i like we also mentioned off air i have a son who's five and yeah basically yeah. The things you said about your daughter perfectly encapsulates how i feel about my son and when i hear stories about like you told me with your your stepdaughter who calls you daddy and stuff it breaks my heart because i just think of all the joy and just stuff i get out of being my the father of my son and just mm. how some people out there just they don't want anything to do with that. And it's just all the things that they're missing out on and stuff. But yeah, well, like, and I'll be honest with you, man, like, like, like technically like blood wise, like, yeah, she's my stepdaughter, but like we already sent him the papers to have her name changed to Hudson. She's, she's mine. That's my daughter. She's mine. She's mine. I'm daddy. So I, I, I am so fortunate to have two of the most beautiful little girls ever. And I'll be honest with you, man. I think God gave me girls for a reason. Uh, Back in my early years, I probably didn't treat girls the best. And I will admit that, Mm -hmm. especially when you're, uh, you know, when, especially as a professional wrestler and, um, you know, I'm not, man, I I know this is going to sound so narcissistic and everything, but, you know, like when you look like me and then you go to places that you don't have people that, look like me uh you get a lot of attention and sometimes it's not the best attention and i was too immature to even you know to to do it the right way i guess i can say i don't want to get too much into it but i think god god gave me girls for a reason and uh it's 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 an absolute joy i i i love they are the light of my life uh i couldn't have asked for anything better that's awesome. So one more, uh, re- one more wrestling related question here and we'll start wrapping it up here. So you'd mentioned about yeah. being an extra, you know, like, you know, uh, for security and stuff, you know, on like WWE shows. So, yeah. so take it through, take me through like, okay, so you get the call that they want you to show up, you know, at the arena as an extra and stuff. What is, yeah. what is, what is the day like for something like that? It's the best, the best worst payday ever so this is how and 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 uh, like um a lot of us have done it i have great friends marsh me and marche i that's actually the first time i met marche 
Okay. Well, it was backstage at WWE, and the first thing I thought about him was, was man, this guy does not shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, Marche, I love you, buddy. I love you with all my heart, man. Um, yeah, Marche, uh, Nick Cutler, uh, you know, a, a lot of my friends have done it. So this is what it's like. Okay, so like the last one I did, I was living here in Michigan. They wanted me to go to uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin for Raw and then St. Paul, Minnesota for SmackDown. So what you do, you show up around 1 p.m. You are supposed to go to uh, some office. It's either Vince's office or, um, you know, it, uh, a man by the name of John Cone, who's, uh, you know. Yeah, well, he's yeah, three. Just, yeah, thank you a referee uh you go you go to their office let you know that let them know that you're there and then you go straight to catering which by the way wwe you got some amazing catering i have never forgotten about no dude their chili lime salmon was the best salmon i ever had in my life so, so you go to catering you you know you put your your gear down in some little little corner of the arena where like you know oh you can't be seen anywhere and then you go to catering and you sit there you eat you eat you eat you eat um if they want you to do a spot like uh, the last time i did anything uh so that actually this time actually uh i did they had us do a security spot when it was uh um elgin oh sorry my bad sammy zane i just i know him as generico um Sami Zayn against Samoa Joe and we had to like break them up and then Zane did a uh, like a flip dive off the stage it was right before mania and like the mania where uh I think Shane fought Undertaker I don't know you know what I don't I even know 32 in 2016 no then this was a year later so that would have been against uh AJ in Orlando thank you okay um, so yeah, I did that little security. This is how kind of screwed up it is. So you do a security spot and they give you, they pay you a little extra because you're on TV, which is really cool. Yeah. So then you do your little spot, you go back to catering and you just sit in catering. The show's over. You leave. I drove, you drive to the next show. So I drove to St. Paul, um, in St. Paul. So SmackDown. And if anyone's listening, I, I want to clear something up. Before SmackDown, when all the wrestlers and all the workers have been in the ring and they know what they're doing and going through their stuff, they let the extra talent get in there and do like a little five-minute match, tag match, singles match, whatever it may be. Mm. Everyone thinks it's a tryout match. It is not a tryout match. It's just for them to see how you work in that environment they want you they want to see if you are looking at the hard cam they want to see if you know you're showing your money you know they just want it's not a tryout they just want to see if you kind of know what you're doing like what your awareness is yeah yes exactly exactly and uh and they they, they throw a lot of curveballs at you too which actually i i, I kind of like i think it's a lot easier just to you know the finish and then you call everything else in the ring mm -hmm. they'll throw curveballs at you like you know oh hey guys i know we told you you had five minutes but now you actually only have two minutes okay go so it's this is whatever and sometimes like and oh another thing i want to say about w i know we got to wrap this up but wwe 
I'm really upset with you because I was, I was, I'm just going to say her worker name. I won't say her actual name. I was there with a girl by the name of Shauna Reed, who I have, I love to death. Shauna, I hope you're doing good. The girl they brought with her, which, which is really crazy because you think WWE, they're bringing in people who they think can work, who they can possibly sign and make a star out of. Right. But no, if you're hot and blonde and you've only been training for two weeks, they'll bring you in. Or like a lot of like, and, every, and at this time, everyone was asking me like, did you send them your resume? I was like, no, they called me. Like, oh, well, I sent my resume for like, what you asked to be here? No, you got to let them call you. Right. So, anywho, Shauna couldn't wrestle this girl because she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. All the, there was five guys. The four guys got partners. I was left out. And I was like, Shauna, you and me, we're doing a match. And we had a great match called out. Like, great match. I was, you know, I'm the heel. She's the face i'm not gonna hit a girl hit a girl she gets on me she gets on me does a couple stuff she does a sunset flip i don't go down and i just punch her in the face like it was just gonna be a it was gonna be a great match and they told us and i quote we don't do intergender matches mm-hmm. six months later six months later they did that mixed match tag bull crap yep yeah thanks wwe um so yeah, so you do the whole, you know, uh, you roll around in the ring for a little bit, then you go back and get changed, and you go into catering. And that was about it. And uh, but now after SmackDown, I actually, you know what? I don't know what they're doing now, but they did 205 Live. Mm-hmm. So the night before, I was a security guard. The very next night, I was a florist, pass uh, walking down the ramp to give flowers to Alicia Fox. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was cool. And like, you know, it was, it was actually really funny because like everyone in the crowd was like, you're a worker, bro. You'll be here in three years. Oh, bro, you're a worker. Oh, dude, you're a wrestler. What are you doing? Like, it, it was actually really funny. But like, extra talent, they don't care. They don't, they don't, you know, everyone thinks it's like, oh, my God, WWE called me for extra talent. It's like, no, man, you're, you're just a pawn. Like, mm-hmm. You're bet, you're, you'll probably make more money staying at your shoot job and working your butt off and actually having them see you for your talent and giving you the phone call instead of you begging them. Because if you're begging, they're not going to give you one look. But so that's pretty much it. You're there at one o'clock in the afternoon. You leave around, you know, 11 o'clock, midnight, something like that. And all you do is eat catering. You might get a security, a security spot. If not, you're just eating catering. That's it. That's it. And that's not, you know, not a bad day's work. 200. If you're not, if you don't have a spot, it's 200 bucks to eat food. That's it. Yeah. That'd be my dream job. <laughs> Touché, <laughs> man. <Touché>. So one, <laughs> la- one last thing, um, cause yeah. it's something I just thought of, and then we'll, I'll give you time to, you know, do plug your stuff. Um, so you mentioned about, you know, the whole thing about, working versus like a, we'll, go, we'll just refer to this stuff as a spot fest you know and telling a story in the ring and stuff what were your thoughts because this is one thing that i've told some friends you know and things like that um yeah. the whole roman reigns jay uso story they got going on smackdown right now in the match they had at um clash of champions to uh-huh. me, that's probably the best piece of storytelling that wwe has done in years and i just kind of wanted to get your opinion on if you saw that match and what you thought about the storytelling in that match i'll be honest with you man um 
I actually feel bad for for Jay Uso because because there are screens in the crowd. I feel horrible for him because if he was doing the if they were doing this with a, with an audience, f- finally, the Usos would be getting what they deserve because those guys are good. And the second they got to that whole day one gimmick, the day one ish gimmick, yep. their promos were amazing. Yep. Amazing. Everything was great. I really wish there was a crowd there. Mm-hmm. But even with that being said, I, uh, my opinion, and I, I can't believe I'm saying, uh, you know, I've talked a lot of crap already, and WWE is a place I would love to be. So. <laughs> but I, I think, I think uh, in a weird way, this is a perfect time, a perfect timing for them to do this because they pushed Roman down our throats so much mm-hmm. that we just we wanted to boo him. Now that he's a heel, it's 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 perfect. And I, I the, honestly, I I love love how they pl- they interact. Like it's not it's not the normal, you know, you're a bad guy, I'm a good guy. It's 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 they're actually it's family, and I love how they're using that. Like the whole, um, I think it what was it a SmackDown? I don't. I think it was a SmackDown when. Uh, Jay hit Roman with a super kick and then grabbed the chair and was like, you love me. I love you. And hit him with the chair. This like, it's a great, great, great story. And I really hope they play up with it. But from what I've been hearing, and I hope I'm not spoiling anything if it happens, I think they're doing a heel faction soon, which is going to be Roman with the Usos, like a family faction. I wouldn't mind that, to be honest with you, you know, as long as they can fit. Yeah. That's what I hear, but honestly, man, I I think this is the best thing in WWE right now. Agreed. Uh, I, it's it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. You it you it, it and in a weird way, it it kind of gives me that feeling again when I was a little kid and I heard Goldberg's gongs hit. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you you when you when you hear Roman's music come out, you're like, oh, all right, what's he gonna say? What's it? Because and, and you know he's not the greatest talker, but he's getting better. And he's really pretty good as a heel. So like, and then when Jay and they have, they've known each other forever. They just have that, that chemistry that you just want to see more of. And I, I truly believe this is the best thing going in WWE right now. And I hope they don't bury it like a lot of things they do. And one of the things you forgot to mention that is Paul Heyman, because I think Paul Heyman being part of the story just makes it even that much better. I love that. uh, Paul Heyman was always a Brock Lesnar guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And now he's with a guy that if, if before this, everyone found out, if you would have said, Hey, who, uh, who do you think Paul Heyman can work with? I guarantee Roman Reigns would be at the bottom of the list. Right. And it's, and it's, it's great. And I love how Paul, uh, he cut a promo kind of like explaining like a Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. but he interpreted it into Roman. Yep. Like, and it was, it's, and I'm sorry, but everything that comes out of Paul Heyman's mouth is once again gold. That guy can cut a promo. That guy can tell a story. That mm-hmm. guy can write a story. Mm-hmm. If I ever had the chance to work with him, I would just be a sponge, just absorb everything I can get. Yep. So, but yeah, no, I, I love it all. I love, once again, best thing right now in WWE. 
Awesome. All right. So we're going to wrap it up here, but before we uh, call it a day, um, how can people reach you on social media? And is there a place that people can go to buy merchandise of yours? I'm actually getting merch made right now. So I will have a pro wrestling already set up. You can get it on my Facebook. My Facebook is just my shoot name, Jonathan Hudson. That's the name I go by. Um, I have my Instagram handle, Jonathan Hudson, 1776. Um, I don't have a Twitter cause I'll be honest with you. I'm a family man. I got better things to do with my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know what? I will plug this. If anyone's out in the Milwaukee area, the night before Thanksgiving, come out to MIAW at the Oak Creek Community Center to see some awesome wrestling for MIAW. MIAW, I believe it's called Thanksgiving Throwdown. They have it every year. I've always been booked on that day with a promotion that I love just near and dear to my heart, which I really hope starts up again, ARW. But with everything going on, I don't believe they're running. So this is actually my first time doing the night before Thanksgiving. So anyone out in the Milwaukee area, Oak Creek Center, the night before Thanksgiving, if you want to see seriously one of the greatest shows of the year, you better come out. You will not be upset. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, I got to say, this has just been tons of fun. And thank thank you so much for doing this, man. Like I said, it's, it, 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 it was an awesome time. I think it, the stories were great. And I, I don't think I've laughed this hard during one of my interviews. <laughs> Brother, man. Yeah. Any, once again, thank you. And uh, I know this was like, like literally you hit me up for this, like two hours ago, like it was a short notice, but I'm telling you right now, man, it could be within five minutes anytime. I would love to be on your show again. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak, chill with you. It's, it's been great, man. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. Have a great day. Yeah. And hey, everyone out there, wear your mask, stay safe, wash your hands and eat some vitamin C. Words of wisdom from Jonathan Hudson. Wow. Uh, thanks uh, again to Jonathan Hudson for uh, spending some time with me. Uh, he just the stories, the fun, the laughs, everything. It just it was everything I had hoped this interview would be, and then some. Um, definitely do uh, you know do your best to try to make it to one of his shows. He suggested. Otherwise, if you're in the Chicagoland area, or you know in Northwest Indiana. Uh, check out uh, Jonathan Hudson and the rest of the superstars of Chicagoland Championship Wrestling on April 17th, 2020. Tickets are still available. Uh, the information will be coming across the screen here. And also, if you're listening to this on a, on a Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, um, the information will be in the episode description. Um, that's about all I have. Uh this this week and i will see everyone in a week with another episode of what do you say with ddj thanks so much for listening